Well, I want to introduce you to somebody or something today, so um, yeah. All right, this is uh, Ruby. Do your bikes not have names? Yeah, this is Ruby Roubaix. This is my road bike. Ruby is an endurance road bike, a little taller head tube for a more relaxed geometry. And Ruby is named after a race in northern France where they ride from the outskirts of Paris to uh, Roubaix. And it's crazy because they go over all these cobblestones and it's brutal. A one-day race that's called a classic race in professional cycling. And you guys know I ride bikes, and I got Ruby right at seven years ago after I hurt my knee and couldn't run anymore. And uh, so Ruby and I have done together about 20,000 miles at this point. Then I also have a gravel bike that I ride as my winter road bike or when it's nasty or when you just want to get on gravel, and we've done about 5,000 miles on that bike. But you have asked me, Pastor Aaron, do you ride outside when it's cold? Yeah, I'll ride down into the 20s, even into the teens. Well, what about when it's icy or snowy? Well, that's where the next part comes in. There are such things called trainers, bicycle trainers, and there's all sorts of trainers that are very sophisticated. There's some that are, uh, you don't even have the rear wheel on your bike, and you hook it up to a thing, and then you've got it, and it's basically like you're playing a video game with your bicycle, racing other people, because uh, it's through your computer and so on and so forth. But hang on. So that's where this thing comes in. This thing is just a very simple device, and it's called a fluid trainer. So on the back here is this funny jobber, and it's got a roller on it, and there's fluid in that cylinder, some sort of oil, and the viscosity of the oil, so it's not an intelligent device in any way, but it knows when I pedal hard, it pushes back harder. I don't know how it works. It's physics. God made it work, you know, and so that's that. And so basically, in your basement, in your garage, whatever, with a special hub on your... Oops, i got to open that up. You put that in there, clamp it in so you don't go anywhere. There's one other part. Yep. You need a sweat rag because it gets sweaty. And you put this under the front wheel. It's your block so that you're at the, your level... Got a little head unit on there, and you pedal in your basement. Just like that, right? If you're going to ride your road bike in your basement, your garage, your living room, your bedroom, whatever, you got to have some intentionality about it. Number one, the bike, but you got to bring it in from the garage. There's a special skewer that goes in to make it back here. You probably want yourself a fan, need a towel, need a couple other things, maybe a screen to watch, whether it's your iPad or your laptop or a television or listen to something because, frankly, writing in the exact same place for a period of time gets a little boring. Um, it's not the same as being outdoors. I prefer to be outdoors, but if I have to, I use this thing, a trainer for my road bike. Now, I brought this for you today to illustrate the principle of being intentional. Our sermon today is about intentional relationships, and intentional relationships, we all know what relationships are, and we know that God tells us, or Jesus tells us, that uh, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart selves. 
And we know we should do that, but it's not always easy to do that, or we don't take the necessary steps to make that happen. You have to take some necessary steps to make this happen, and not only do I have to put it together, but I have to get on it and write it, right? Uh, I'm not going to do that this morning, don't worry. I'm not going to change into my kit and frighten you all or anything like that. Yes, thank God. (laughs) But you have to put in the time. You're going to get hot, you're going to get sweaty, and your legs are going to hurt, but it's all good because if you're like me, you need to move your body in order to help exercise and free your mind as well. So all these things we do when we talk about intentional relationships and uh, is, has to do with taking the time or making the effort or doing something intentionally so that we can cultivate genuine, loving, real relationships with those that are believers in Jesus and with those who are not yet believers in Jesus. And in our church, we talk about life together. We've got our bulletin board out there. And again today, if you haven't already, you got your Polaroid picture made and written on your 3 by 5 card a couple hobbies or interests you have that you'd be willing for somebody else in the church to do with you. You can do that today after worship. Have a, a Emily and Seth out there with the cameras. And uh, you've got a 3 by 5 card. and You can write on that and stick it over the top there. We had a training a couple months ago we called after church because saying living life together 24-7, 365 was too long of a title, but about getting us into relationships with one another. And today we want to read a scripture that challenges us on how we ought to love one another and how we ought to be together with one another. That's John chapter 13, verse 31 through 38. So if you haven't already, turn your Bible to John chapter 13, verses 31 through 38. And if you're able to stand with me in the honor of reading God's word, we will read this entire passage together this morning. When he was gone, Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified and glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. Let's pray again. God, we're here together to open your word and to consider what you'd have to say to us in the midst of uh, life with an ongoing pandemic and everything else. Would you speak to us and would we obey? It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you. In our passage of scripture today, we've got drama, but also a command. And so as we consider what intentional relationships mean for us at Southview, we've got that statement that we can put up on the screen. It is on your outline. That we don't want just shallow acquaintances. I'm fine. How are you? What's that guy's name? I think I asked him one time, but I forgot his name. Oh, they're really nice. Yeah, they sit over there. We want to exercise sacrificial love by giving ourselves to others. 
in meaningful relationships. Spending time together, heart to heart together, life to life together. It's messy. It hurts. People are going to disappoint you. They'll let you down. They'll even be mean to you at times and talk bad about you, even though you did great and lovely and wonderful, loving things for them. But why we do that is for mutual Christ-like growth. So that we might be more like Jesus. That's who we are as a church. We are growing Christ followers and we do things to be growing Christ followers. So we belong to God and one another as a church family. That's our statement. That's what we aspire to be as a value for Southview Baptist Church. To be intentional in our relationships. And that's frankly why I bring my bike today. Because I think all of us maybe have some exercise equipment sitting around the house that doesn't get used quite as much as it should, and it'll be a metaphor for us, if you will, of being intentional about exercising those things we know we should. As you move on to your outline this morning, you see that we have a command not to be missed amidst the drama. There's drama happening in this passage, and you saw there in verse 31 when it said, when he was gone, he who? Look back up the page. Judas has just betrayed Jesus. Well, he was identified as the one who would betray him later. You remember that, praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they come in, we've portrayed it right here in this room uh, with the torch and with the kiss, and then the Roman soldiers take him away. That's your first point there, that Judas uh, Judas predicted betrayal. So Jesus had just said to them, you're going to betray me, Judas. Judas goes out of the room. And so verse 31 tells us, when he was gone... I think there was some suspicion of Judas before this time. I mean, he came in as a guy that was a zealot. He came in as a guy that presumptively because he was a zealot had strong feelings against the Roman government at the time and the Jewish overlords there. And he joined with Jesus maybe for the wrong idea, but God knew and Jesus knew why Judas was there. So there's this predicted betrayal which had to have caused uneasiness or worry for the disciples. The second thing we see here is Jesus predicted departure. Jesus says, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. He says, if God is glorified in him, God will glorify the son in himself and will glorify him at once. Jesus is talking now in those first few phrases I read, and they're probably going, oh, okay, Jesus, yeah, you're going to tell us what you mean to glorify you. God glorified in you, but maybe they didn't have any idea, right? But then, what we call verse 33, he says, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. Whoa, wait a second, Jesus. Can you imagine their minds starting to race? They've spent time with Jesus for three years. He's been their everything, the center of their world. They've watched him teach. They've watched him preach. They've watched him heal people, watched him raise people from the dead, calm the seas, do miraculous acts no one had ever done. And they were right there with him. But they also saw him sleep and get tired. They also saw him eat. They also saw him have all the temptations and frustrations that they had, but he didn't sin. These guys who had walked with Jesus for three years and he was their everything are now hearing, I'm only going to be with you a little while longer. Time out, Jesus! Time out! He says, you'll look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, 
Where I'm going, you cannot come. Talk about intentionality, and yes, I brought my clothes basket too. What happens to our exercise equipment? A lot of times it becomes a clothes hanger, right? Judas going to betray Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going away. The disciples going, time out, Jesus. I'm going to hang these socks up here. They're probably a little smelly. They are my Nebraska corn socks, though, so they're cool. And all that we intended in our intentionality gets covered up with the drama and the stuff of life. Let's move on to your third point there. Peter's predicted denial. We skip on down through our passage. Peter had asked Jesus in verse 36, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you can't come now, but you will later. And Peter says, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. I can hear our friends who have portrayed Peter in our Easter pageant inflecting that line right now. And Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. More stuff gets piled on our intentionality. We know what we should do, but the drama of life, the concerns and fears, the questions, the uncertainty, stops us from doing what we should do. That's life, right? That life isn't always easy. It doesn't always go the way we hope or plan or even what our intentions were. Because people might betray us. People might leave us. People might deny us. It's certainly that way in our relationship with Jesus. But amidst this drama, and amidst the relationships that they had getting covered up with fear and worry and questions, Jesus gives some commands. And the reason we read this entire passage and the reason I have a bicycle with clothes on it is to get us to think about what was Jesus in the midst of this drama trying to communicate by throwing these commands in now. It would seem much better to me if I was God or if I was Jesus and I was going to drop these commands on somebody to drop them in a great sermon in front of a great crowd of people. Hey, all y'all people, listen up. Here's one really important thing I need to tell you. Well, too, but it's related. This is it. This is how you're supposed to love one another in order to honor God. I'm going to tell you right now. But that's not how Jesus did this. With the 12, now 11 disciples, one who's just left and going to betray him, Jesus saying, I'm going to leave you and you can't come. And Peter predicted to deny him and saying, I'm not going to deny you. Three times, Peter, even before the rooster crows. In the midst of this drama, Jesus drops these commands. And they're commands for us today. His commands as Christ followers. Let's look at that first one. 
loving others like Jesus. We're to love others like Jesus. Jesus says that in verse 34. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another. Now, you have to wonder if the disciples didn't always love one another. I mean, they spent three years together. They were boys, right? Men. But you get the idea there was some rivalry because of stuff that happens after this, but also stuff that happens before this. And they're angling for positions and trying to outmaneuver one another. They want to be Jesus' right man or the special guy or something like that. It's not just good to be part of the band, but I, hey, I'm the number two guy or I'm the number three guy. or whew, We're going to sit at Jesus' right and left. And so there was rivalries among them. And so Jesus tells them, love one another. We know that he says, Peter... That's your name, bro. It's what your name's going to be. You're the rock upon which the church will be built. But Peter, you need to love these other guys to show an example. Other guys, you need to love Peter, even though he has an elevated position, even though he's going to do some things while I'm alive and after I'm dead, in order to lead the church, you love one another. How's he say to love? As I have loved you. So you must love one another. This is where you and I go, okay, Jesus, this is nice stuff. We appreciate the fact that you said it to the disciples and it's in our Bibles. But you know, Jesus, I really can't love people that way. I can't love people in that otherish way. It's focused on God's will and really is about the other person and is sacrificing myself and giving myself for them. That's not in me, Jesus. I'm selfish. I'm sinful. And we remember what John wrote about John the Baptist, where John the Baptist said, I must decrease, he must increase. We've got to rid ourselves of self and sin and flesh, and seek to be filled by God's Holy Spirit through reading or listening to, engaging His Word daily, to praying about anything and everything on our mind, spending time with other believers in Jesus that will influence us and disciple us and mentor us and help us grow as Christ followers, giving ourselves to others that they might grow as Christ followers in order that we might be in difficult situations and be challenged in what we think and how we feel and what we do so that we might love like Jesus loves. Even a command like Jesus gave because it's so big on its own, can wreck our good intentions. But Jesus goes on. In verse 35, that next point, on your outline it says, a command for Christ followers and proving commitment to Jesus. Not only are we loving others, but when we love others like He calls us to, love them like I love you, be otherish, be sacrificial, spend yourself on behalf of others. What's verse 35 say? By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Jesus, bro, 
They know we're your disciples because, you know, we're with you. Get the merch, man. You know, we're your guys. We're like your entourage, your posse. That's how they know we're your disciples, Jesus. No, that's not what Jesus says. It's not what you wear. It's not who you hang out with. Jesus said, all people will know you are disciples if you love one another. It's not the Jesus fish on the back of your car. It's not the cross around your neck. It's not the Southview merch you're purchasing from the store. It's not what you do on Sunday mornings or Wednesday evenings. It's that you love one another. God calls us to love Him and love others with everything we've got. Yet, our life and everything we plan can get wrecked by drama, by denial, by betrayal, by departure, by questions, by fears. Some of you have dealt with hard things these past weeks, months, and years. Someone you love being desperately sick, maybe passing away. Someone you love leaving your home and leaving you with more pain and questions. A job that you thought was great and you'd have forever, you're not going to have it anymore. And you don't know what you'll do next or how you'll do what you might do and how you provide for your family. We've all got questions. We've all got issues. Even though we know we're to love others like Jesus says. Well, that leads us to our three application questions at the conclusion of our sermon here. Because what Jesus has given us today is a command about intentional relationships. He's told us, love others as I have loved you. Be otherish, be sacrificial, put them first, not self. So that leads me to our first question, and that is, in my mind, hopefully, how loving of others am I? What I'm talking about here is what I talked about a few weeks ago, an aspirational value that I aspire or hope to do these sort of things versus actual values, which is our next question. But in my mind, how much do I hope that I am loving others? Well, I hope that you hope. And as you think about how you love one another, you put some order to that. As you think about how you should love one another... Things begin to go right in your mind. And you begin to uncover your intentions because you're thinking about your hopes and your dreams and what you desire to be and do. Let's go to our second question there. In the mess, honestly, how loving of others am I? Because life is messy. People do hurt us. Things don't happen like we hope or plan or dream. But in the midst of that mess that we call life, are we still going to love others? Are we still going to do what it takes that our intentional 
relationships would have the ability to thrive. And rather than just chucking your problems to the side, you fold them up and put them where they belong. And one at a time, you deal with the things of your life in order that you might exercise the intention you hope to exercise. And we're speaking specifically about intentional relationships, and that leads us to our third question. What must I change to have intentional, loving relationships? What in your life do you need to uncover so you can do what you intend to do and live how you intend to live and be who God intends you to be and seek His will and do His will no matter the mess that's going on in your life? What is it that you need to stop in order that you might start? If it's exercise machinery, yeah, stop throwing your dirty clothes on it in order that you might more easily start getting on it to exercise on it. But in your life, what is it that you need to stop? Stop fussing about and fretting about things in order that you might move forward. Stop gossiping about things in order that you might pray about it. Stop thinking poorly about somebody in order that you might read Scripture and see what God says to you, how you should think of yourself and think of others. God calls us to Himself in order that we might love like Jesus and love others with intention. And that's in His Word and our Scripture memory verse of the month is the bottom last thing on your outline. And that Scripture memory verse of the month, Psalm 119, 135, says, Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Let's pray together. God, our Father, our lives are not as easy as we hope. Things can be messy. And we all have these aspirations and dreams of things we should do and we want to do, but life gets in the way, especially when it comes to relationships. We get slow slogged down in things that we don't invest the time we should in loving others. So, Father, I pray this morning that whatever it is we need to uncover, we'd uncover. Whatever it is we need to confess, we'd confess in order that we might be free to be and do as you've called us to, that we might love others like Jesus. So, God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ that maybe it's something as simple as picking up the phone and calling a friend. Maybe it's taking the time to go out and share coffee or a meal. Just be face to face and not even have to say I love you, but just be with them and demonstrate their love. Maybe it's a hard thing we need to do, like forgiveness or confession or a difficult conversation about boundaries. But if it's demonstrating love to others, God, would we do that? 
And God, we pray for those that are listening today online or here in this room that maybe need to trust Jesus as their Savior too, that we do that. It's in His name we pray. Amen.